talking about video games. Yeah! Hello, internets, and all the people who use said internets. This is the Namek vs. Sane podcast, though this might be the last week of being the Namek vs. Sane podcast before we change our name. Uh, but anyway... I am uh, Patrick Shanley uh, with The Hollywood Reporter. Joining me as always is my friend and co-host, Edmund Arnold. Eddie, how you doing? I'm doing well. I have a question. Why do you refer to me as best friend and friend sometimes? Is it something I do? Is it something I did? I kind of like to keep you on your toes. And okay. on good weeks, I call you my best friend. And on weeks when I'm not as happy with you, I just call you friend. I, I feel like in the last like four weeks, you haven't called me best friend. So is like, someone listening that might get jealous? I got a whole bunch of texts from other friends. And they're like, oh, Eddie's your best friend? <laughs> Is that how it is? Oh, I get it. I get it. Okay. I never refer to you as my best friend because you're not. What the so hell? I, that's I, why I you're not my best friend. My dad's my best friend, so. Oh, well, that's lame. Yeah. It, it's cute, though. It's super cute, and I can't it's... make fun of you for it. That's why it's lame. Shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. I clearly don't. <laughs> well, it was a, uh, I guess we haven't spoken. I think we sort of took a bit of a hiatus last week. Not really a hiatus, but we haven't spoken in a little bit on the podcast, so a lot has happened. Uh, a lot has happened. One crazy story that came out was, of course, about esports in the Olympics again, but this is perhaps my favorite one that happened, and that is the IOC, International Olympic Committee president, came out. His name is Thomas Bach, and he came out and said I'm just going to read the quote so everybody understands. Read it. <clears throat> quote, we want to promote non-discrimination, non-violence, and peace among people. This doesn't match with video games, which are about violence, explosions, and killing. And there we have to draw a clear line. This is in response to bringing the esports into the Olympics. Eddie, what are your reactions to this? How dare he? That's about right. How dare he generalize all video games in the one category as being violent, and about explosions and killing. I played three video games this week that had no violence and no explosions in it at all. So how dare he? I'm, but I, I get it. It makes sense. You want to branch it out to kids. You want to make it universal. So you want to take away... I, I guess, like, what is it? Just, so this takes out Call of Duty? Overwatch. <laughs> Dota. League of Legends. It, is Overwatch violent? I, I guess. So, I mean, it's cartoon violence, but it's still violence. You're still shooting people. But there's no killing. This is my There's problem. Explosions. Yeah, well, it's such a vague thing to say. You know, well, what what constitutes a violent video game? Also, boxing's an Olympic sport. Boxing's violent as hell. It's the most violent sport in the world. Yeah. I, I mean, I just saw a lot of damaged Irish pride last two weeks ago. So okay. that is very how, violent. How so, dare you? McGregor was robbed. <laughs> robbed? No, he wasn't robbed at all. He couldn't hold his hands McGregor up. is lazy. That's what we need to talk about. What a McGregor. joke of a fight that was. Anyone who actually watches or cares about boxing, that was a travesty. It was. It was. I, w- I felt my like soul dying as I was watching it. <laughs> and I saw so many people saying, oh, it was so good. It went longer than I expected. I was like, what? He didn't prepare for the fight. <laughs> There's no respect shown. Like he- They went into it for the money. And y'all didn't see that? So I was like, whatever. They made whatever. $300 million. Yeah, and he wasn't even prepared to fight 12 rounds. No, because he didn't care. Also, the only reason it went 10 rounds is because Mayweather let it go 10 rounds. Yeah, he absolutely let it go 10 rounds. And he Mayweather looked shook those first three rounds. Don't get it twisted. Like, he kind of came out there like, what the hell? And it might have been in the script, too. Maybe, but... I really but... think they got the WWE writers behind this. But, <laughs> yeah, it's just whatever. I mean, it's... You know, but, like, back to your point. Boxing is violent, right? Right. So, boxing's violent. 
I think Taekwondo's in the karate, karate's in the Olympics. All these are violent. So why can you include these and not include like a Overwatch is it or a ca- Dota? Well, Dota and League of Legends too are so beyond the realm of like actual violence because you're watching little characters run around and shoot spells at each other. Yeah, like and it's fantasy violence. So I don't even think right. you can equate that to real life, like Grand Theft Auto violence. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. And, for this guy to like generalize all video games to be super violent and we just don't want that a part of our prestigious event we're bigger than that like screw you dude right also i mean uh, come on olympics like the people who pay off countries literally to get them that you bankrupted brazil you bankrupted rio yeah and that was fine it was fine to have syringes floating in the water that you were going to put your swimmers into but God forbid somebody play Counter-Strike on television. How dare they? Exactly. And, you know, God forbid you show a monkey shooting electricity out of a laser gun. I mean, I just, it makes, it makes no sense to me. Think of the children! I, I don't, I get it. It makes no sense to me, but I get it. Because you're trying to play this whole, like, we're higher than what we're supposed to be. We're trying to protect the children. It's an easy PR move to make. That's and I'm a- sure there's, there's so many old people out there. And I shouldn't generalize old people, sorry, because that's what you. he did. But there's so many people out there that probably saw this and agreed with him because they think these video, all video games are, are these Grand Theft Auto titles. That's my problem, man. It's exactly what we've been saying for weeks. I feel like this is like our number one discussion on this podcast is talking about how you make video games go mainstream for an audience that's not into them as much. And this is exactly what I was saying, that this is what they think of video games. When we were yeah. talking about bad looks... And this is what they think of video games, is that they're all ex- violence, explosions, and killing. With no substance whatsoever. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's crazy. And I, I don't know why anyone would... T- why would I watch the Olympics to watch someone play FIFA? Or watch NBA 2K when I could actually watch the Dream Team play? Or I could actually watch World Cup soccer? Right. That's what it does. It, that doesn't make sense to me. So I'm going to go watch... A World Cup match, or sorry, a Olympic soccer match, and then go and watch a FIFA 17 match. I I said it as a joke last week. I said it I as a as a joke that they would be playing the actual events, and now it seems like maybe Thomas Bach listens to our podcast, and he was like, "That's a great idea." I don't know where he's from. That's that's how I imagine his voice. Yeah, it's, uh, he's probably from where you just um. What, what was that? An English accent? <laughs> I have no idea what that was. Oh, okay, all right. Well, I you know. Mm. It, it's annoying because I'm sick of video games being generalized like this, especially since they provide such interesting and deep worlds now. Right. And even when in the 80s and the 90s, not every video game was violent and with explosions. And I don't know, you know, you have one person that, and this is controversial, you have a couple people that, you know, perform some type of mass event where they you know they go in take a gun somewhere right and then they they go in and they look at their logs and see that they play call of duty and all video games get blasted right you know what i'm saying and it, it's just when is this going to stop it's 2017 when are when are we going to stop playing video games and stop blaming video games and start blaming the individual for carrying out these acts it is astonishing to me yeah it's astonishing to see just history repeat itself i i remember exactly what we were just talking about with a lot of stuff with columbine and other horrible tragic events that were perpetrated by individuals not by a a blanket group of people and they were labeling Marilyn Manson as one of the reasons why they did it because right. they had listened to some of that music and that right. he's an artist and he had to come out and denounce murder as if he was 
promoting mass shootings in schools. It's it's asinine to think that. Well, look back with the the catcher in the rye when um, the right. guy who shot John Lennon, I think, is what it was. And it's just, yeah. it's just this craziness. Why are the actions of some radicals reflective on an entire group of people? And that goes. That's a huge statement, much bigger than just video games. But absolutely, Thomas Bach is feeding into a lot of things that are causing division to me. It, it seems, it sounds stupid to make this equivalence between talking about video games and talking about like things like ISIS or KKK and other horrible things that are happening right now. But it all stems from the same train of thought. It's an us versus them. This entire group is made up of only one type of people. It's it's foolish and it's narrow minded. Yeah, and it's generalizing without really getting to know the audience of people that you're generalizing. Exactly, right? yeah. So I would like for him to come meet some actual people that play extensive lists of video games, and maybe he needs to like go into a catalog and look at the last like two months to see the type of video games that have come out in the last two months. Right. There haven't been a lot of violent video games coming out this <laughs> summer. So, I mean, what is, Splatoon. That's a perfect example. That game could be... I don't see why that game can't be included in the Olympics. Yeah, is it violent I, to shoot paint at each other? I don't know. I mean, they blow up. The little characters blow up once you shoot enough paint at them. So I don't know if that qualifies as violent. You have Pyre, which would be, you know, if you get behind the developers of Pyre, you can make that into an interesting type uh, esports game. But you have enough time. Right. And is it violent that they're extinguishing themselves while going into this Pyre? So what are you constituting as violent is my question. Mm-hmm. And what type of video – I would like to see what type of video games he is envisioning to be included – or it's just just him saying we don't we don't want video games in the Olympics at all. And I think that's like the bigger issue, right? Like maybe this is just him trying to distance himself from it. Like I don't want these here. This is what I think of them. Get out of here, video games. Or here's a wrinkle. Maybe he's just a huge Rocket League fan and he only wants Rocket League in the Olympics. That could be it, though. <laughs> he owns I mean, stock in Rocket League. Out of all sports to be, and we've talked about this extensively in other podcasts, but of all sports that should be included into. The Olympics, it should be Rocket League. Right. So I was on the fence. I, I thought Overwatch would be a great great inclusion to the Olympics, but I guess that is too violent. So Who gets to make these decisions is my question. I mean, does Thomas Bach, are you the president of the IOC? Are you responsible for all the decisions that are made, or is the IOC, like any committee, voted on like a democracy? And if that's the case, who, who's the makeup of the IOC? I, I've never heard about the makeup of the IOC. Who is sitting on that committee? What's the... What's the diversity of that committee? Is there an age diversity? Is there different people from That's different true. backgrounds? Who's making this decision? That's a good point. I don't know. I don't know anything about the way that Olympics are developed, the way that the Olympic Games are developed, because I really don't care. Right. But um, that's a very good point. It's just... it's. I can't think of another word other than asinine. It's just dumb, and it's you... It's you. It looks. It makes you look old, man. It, it like does. you're you're distancing yourself from an entire generation of people. Almost at this yeah. point, two generations of people. I mean, listen to this quote. So if everybody is competing, and this is Tom Thomas Bach again. So if everybody's if every if so if ever somebody is competing at playing football virtually or playing other sports virtually, this is of high interest. He added, "We hope that then these players are really develop, de- delivering sports performances. If fans at the end." would even play the sports in the real world, we would even be more happy. So is he basically saying that we're hoping that to bring video games that would encourage young people to go out and play the actual sports? Is that what he's saying? I guess. But again, it goes back to like the joke that I made last week and that you were saying earlier. Why am I going to want to watch 
somebody play virtual basketball directly after watching the best people in the world play basketball. That's what I'm saying. Like, just add to chess. Just add chess so we can get our young people more into chess so they can start planning ahead. Like, oh, that's what chess teaches you. Just add chess. That's all I'm saying. It's like, stop all this nonsense with these video game back and forth. Add chess. We want chess. But you obviously don't know the video game industry at all, so you shouldn't even be thinking about it, in my opinion. Not only do you not know it, but you clearly have a disdain for the entire industry itself. This thing that makes billions and billions of dollars globally every year. Yeah. Like, we hope that you are envisioned to get off your lazy ass by watching someone play a real... Sp- I, I just... I don't get it, man. Like... I, I don't know I, how to not be insulted by it. The whole thing just seems insulting. It's either all these people just care about explosions and violence, or you're big, fat losers who only can be motivated to do something by watching a virtual version of it. Yeah, like, I'm, me seeing a virtual version of it and seeing a live, actual version of it is going to somehow inspire me to get off my butt and go out and play. Well, that's what I don't get exactly, right? Like, how is I'm, I'm going to be more inspired to play a sport because I watched polygons playing it as opposed to actually watching LeBron James dunk a basketball? Look. I don't know, man. I, I can't. I, I don't. I don't speak Thomas Bach language, so I don't know. <laughs> I can't. I can't wrap my mind off of it. So, but you know, you want to make it more inclusive for kids, then find the most boring video game that you can find, right? <laughs> it's gonna be competitive matches of God. What's that terrible video game like Barbie Princess Pony Hour? That's a game. Oh gosh, yeah, it is. I've heard about it. Um, what about they did bring so PS4 brought Windjammers back, and I was watching some video. I've never played Windjammers. Is it like a hmm. okay? By the name of Windjammers, I'm imagining it's like a kite surfing video. It game. is. Yeah, that's. Hmm, we need to get into a development team. It is a one on one frisbee air hockey game. What? So that sounds amazing. It, it looks amazing. I'm going to purchase it. It's, it's from the 90s, too, 80s, too. So I don't know anything about this game. I just hear, like, other podcasts, the Bombcast, Jeff Gertzman talks about it a lot. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you want something like that, something older, like it, Pog, 2-on-2 Pog, 2-on-2 Snake. Well, 2-on-2 Snake would be pretty awesome, actually. Like, why not just have, like, a Donkey Kong, original Donkey Kong country I want them just whoever has his highest score gets the gold medal. Perfect. I want them to sit two people down with old Nokia three one fifties and have them play snake head to head in the back of. They'll sit in the back of like a Camry, a Toyota nineteen ninety six Camry. That's where both people have to sit, and they have to play competitive snake on those old Nokia brick phones. Snake is hella violent. Now you, I think about it though, so maybe not. Yeah, I don't really like the image that it puts across for our youth. Yeah, it's, you know, I don't like showing my youth or any youth whatsoever that they can go out and just eat whatever is around. So I don't want to encourage that. So Yeah, our kids will be turning into snakes and going around trying to avoid their own tails. Is that the world you want to live in? how are those little eggs that those snakes are eating? How are they defending themselves? So it's too violent. It's representing genocide. I don't want to see it. <laughs> Off the table. Goodbye. Bye. Ugh. No, Pac-Man. Pac-Man's violent. Uh, what else we have? Centipede is violent. Space Invaders is violent. What isn't violent? Principles. Violent is such a dumb word to use. Like, use a more use a more descriptive phrase. What are you talking about? Violent video games. Look at your own. No look at your own sports. That they perked real life murder. How about that? That that'd be fine, and that would make sense, would it not? Yeah, not just fantasy murder is fine, just not real life murder. Yeah. Who constitutes so. what violent is? I mean, the act of almost all physical activity is violent. If you're a Jane. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolute basketball is violent. Sure. I mean it all is, honestly. Yeah. So like Is yeah. hockey still in the No, that's Winter Winter Olympics. It's Winter Olympics, but I mean I think the IOC controls that. It's one of the most violent sports in the world. I don't you yeah. can't you can't have wrestling, you can't have boxing, you can't have don't they they shoot guns in the triathlon. Oh yeah, that's violent. Yeah, too much. It's too they much sh- for a youth. They to shoot handle. target. They shoot targets. They can't shoot back. So I mean, come on. This is just a weak, thinly veiled excuse to say I don't want video games in the Olympics. Yeah, and I get it. I get it. I do too. So, I get it. But if you wanted to do that, then just come out and say that. Be a man and come out and say that. Yeah, Thomas Bach, we're calling you out, son. On blast. Ba-ba-boar. Yeah, if you're listening to this podcast because we know you did last week, <laughs> then shout out, fool. Oh, they called me out again. That's my mind is Okay, joining me now is Disruptor Beam CEO John Radoff to talk about his new mobile game, The Walking Dead March to War. Great. Well, I can imagine this is a very exciting time as you're gearing up for launch. Um, the game obviously shares a title with uh, Volume 19 of the comic book. Uh, these are very, very popular comic books and a very popular TV show. Uh, are players of the game going to recognize a lot of the events? Did you stick pretty close to the source material with this? We do. I mean, it's really important to us as a company that and we're crafting worlds and stories and characters that it really draws upon the source material in a, in a highly authentic way. And this is the first time you're really going to be thrust into the world of The Walking Dead in a truly massively multiplayer environment. And March to War is very much about you know that conflict. It's about the reemergence of tribalism and feudalism and Negan and all that stuff around people trying to struggle for control. With something that has such a long history and such a built-in fan base, does it make it more daunting uh, to try and tackle so much material in one game, or does it make it a little bit easier because you have so much to work with? Uh, well, there's two real. There's really two sides to that. So there's the world itself, and then there's the fan right so when you're talking about the world it's great to have tons and tons of content to draw upon and at Disruptor Beam everyone who works on a game is a huge fan of the, the source material that they're working with and everyone gets engaged and they love to have access to all that information and bring it to life within a game um, you know our first two games Game of Thrones Star Trek you know also two examples of world with just an enormous amount of depth, characters, and whatnot that we can draw upon. The other half of it, though, is a fan community, right? So, uh, fans of this kind of stuff, which I number myself as one of them, we all have a really high bar for what we want to get out of it, right? So, we're not going to be satisfied if we sit down and play a game and it just seems like it's a rehash of some kind of game we've already played elsewhere, where they just sort of change out the graphics and and put in The Walking Dead or Star Trek, for, for example. And right. We really cut our teeth on that with our first two games. But, of course, Game of Thrones fans, you know, with um, with our original license being not just HBO, but also George R. R. Martin the books, we brought, brought in that whole book community who are very detail-oriented. And, of course, Star Trek. We've got 700-plus episodes of content, and there's people out there who know every single one of those episodes at the back of their hands. So we have to be really careful that we bring it to life in the right way. With Walking Dead, you know, it's very it's about 
bringing the environmental aspects to life. It's about bringing the stories and also sort of the character decisions. In Walking Dead, it's a story that's really dominated by people constantly having to decide between two really lousy options. So at Disruptor Game, part of what makes a Disruptor Game game is the realization of story and the presentation of the characters. So we, as part of the gameplay, are giving you some of those options and, and giving you dilemmas, really, around how you're going to advance your own progression with the story. Um, and we also invest a lot in the, in the world. The, the really cool thing with the way we built March to War is that this is the first time anyone on mobile will have played something that, in essence, is a war game because it's a struggle for territory. It's right. what March to War is all about. But we thrust you into this massively multiplayer world. 50,000 people on a server, um, tons of 3D graphics. So we've gotten away from kind of the typical mobile game, kind of 2D simplified map. We really wanted to bring people right into the world. And you're going to be able to visit all these areas around Washington, D.C., whether it's the White House or the Pentagon, but you'll also be able to and all these cool places that people come to know through the story. So just really, really excited about being able to bring someone a true MMO experience in the immersive 3D world for the first time uh, on mobile. Great. With, uh, I mean, you mentioned how big the, the world's going to be with this. Do you feel that mobile games have kind of been taking a, a bit of leaps forward in that regard? It seems that they have become a bit more complex in the last few years. Uh, there's a lot more... There's a lot more room for you to stretch your legs a bit uh, with these types of games, um, whereas it used to be very small, very marketable games, um, but they didn't have quite the depth that they do now, and now you're able to tackle these IPs. Is that something recent? Well, it's what we've been doing for the last five years with our games. The, the view I've always had of the market is mobile gaming and the social networking game market collectively is far, far larger than the PC mm-hmm. and console gaming market. So if you look at PC and consoles, it's maybe about 150 million consumers in the world, which is a huge number of people until you consider that it's like 2 billion plus smartphones in the world that people are playing games on. So you're talking about this massive audience, and as they've been exposed to games over the last few years, their own tastes are getting a lot more developed, so they want deeper experience. They, you know, it's kind of like look at look at the shows that we're based on. Take Game mm-hmm. of Thrones, for example. Like Game of Thrones has this very intricate plot, lots of characters. People can barely even remember who the characters are. There's so many of them, uh, but it's one of the most popular shows uh, in the world right now. But people were interested in it because there was this progression over time of deeper and deeper experiences and interconnected plots and stuff on TV. So I think the same thing is playing out on mobile games now and also the technology has continued to improve. So today in a mobile device there's a pretty decent GPU inside virtually every device and and we've really led the way in terms of exploiting that technology to bring this richly detailed world into the device in a way that no one's done before. With these types of games, obviously a lot of people point out that there's um, 
the the microtransactions that exist in a lot of these games, um, which is part of the business model for any type of these mobile games, particularly because they're free to play uh, from the get-go. Uh, do you have any particular thoughts on microtransactions or how they work in mobile games, how you guys try to uh, try to implement them into your games? Yeah, you know, I think the, the question comes down to what kind of games you want to operate. So if you're creating a game with a limited amount of content and you're not going to be updating it very much, then it's fine to do that as a premium game. And in fact, that's probably the better model because you're not going to, you're not going to, you know, have players continuing to interact with it beyond maybe a few hours or something of mm-hmm. playthrough. What we're trying to do is really bring these MMO experiences to life. So it's a massive world. We're adding content. In Game of Thrones, we've had over 200 content updates. In Star Trek, we've had, you know, we're going to be close to 100 content updates soon. And, and Walking Dead is going to be no different, where we're constantly adding things to the world and adding features. So when you're talking about a long-running game experience, the reality is that there has to be a business model that supports that. So if it's a one-time premium payment, the game developer is not going to be updating the game much, but what microtransactions do is it allows you to give people the opportunity to add content and add things to their experience over the course of time, which could be a long time because we have people still playing Game of Thrones Ascent after four years of running that game, structured timelines, it's about 18 months old, we still have people that are playing it from the very first day that it launched. So that, that's kind of the way we approach the business, which is we're not just shipping a game, we're really creating a long-running entertainment experience for lots of customers. Right. What I find interesting about mobile games specifically is exactly what you just said, is that these games have the shelf life that other games do not have, even marquee AAA title games, and that's that people can play these for years and years, which means you constantly have to be keeping an eye on them and doing patch updates or what have you as it's going along. So is it daunting then to take on a new project uh, when you still, I mean, these Star Trek and Game of Thrones are still very much alive at this point? Yeah, well, we've had to scale out our company to support that, so, you know, when we, when I first went and sat down with George R. R. Martin over five years ago and, and uh, shared with him the idea for the game we wanted to create. We were like a five-person company at that time, and we launched the game. We had maybe 10 people in the company. Today, we have over 100 people in the company, so we've had to evolve um, to be able to do that. We've also had to increasingly become self-reliant so early on in our business. We depended on outside agencies and publishers and, and whatnot to help us launch a game. Today mm-hmm. we've built a publishing function. We have a support organization. So today we're a vertically integrated company that is able to do all the elements of running a successful online entertainment business. And that includes being able to manage multiple teams across with, uh, several games and live ops. With the, with the company's growth and the success of the last two games, has it been easier to get your hands on these big market IPs? Uh, with something like The Walking Dead, were you approached by the team there? Or did you guys have your eyes set on Walking Dead as fans or as uh, a particularly good business prospect? How did, how did the March, March to War come about? Well, you would never describe getting any of these franchises 
as easy because <laughs> we're talking here about the very most popular franchises in the entire world. Like right. Star Trek, Game of Thrones, Walking Dead are more or less without peer. There's a few others, you know, that we can think of that are that are up at that level, but there's there's very few. So when you're talking about that, it's just not easy. Um, you know, the market has evolved over time. When we first were doing Game of Thrones, I would say people that other game developers were not thinking about doing licensed games, and, and we were one of the first to come at it, and we approached it from a different direction, which is rather than being just another rescare of games, we would think, you know, first and foremost about the fans and the world that they wanted to enter into, and then really bring them that world authentically, which means that the game systems and features are built upon, uh, you know, the fan base and the, and the world requirements. Uh, you know, over time, now there are other people that are interested in securing these licenses to build games, and, and the way the market has evolved is while there's more competition um, we have more of a competitive advantage this, at this point, having done it several times. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, it's not just about that we can do it, it's that we do it authentically. It's the fact that we really, when we build a game, we're working with the creative teams as well, so we work with George R. Martin, we work with Robert Kirkman um, at Skybound for right. Walking Dead. So they're part of the process and it's really really important to us that the creator the, the original mind behind any of this IP is part of it and that they're bought into it because we want something that's for the fans do the fans ever reach out I to you what I'm oh, sorry. that's what people that, that's what that's what the owners of the IP care about right right there's too many people out there who just think of this as like it's another merchandising deal like games are a t-shirt and they can get a little royalty on it. <laughs> but that's not really what it is. Games are really now a form of media unto themselves. Unto themselves. And not only that, but it's the best form of media for engaging people every single day, multiple times a day. It's better than social media. It's better than um, anything out there that you can imagine. Right, and they realize that this is the way to expand their franchise. So it's, it's got to be an honest interpretation of the material. I one hundred percent agree with that, and I think that this is a way to solidify those fanships by letting allowing people to live inside of a world that they are obviously already a fan of. Um, do you guys get pitches from fans of uh, other IPs that they want you guys to to take on over at Disruptor Beam? Like, I, I don't know. What types of IPs are pitched to you? What type of properties are pitched to you? Anything that you guys have your eyes on? <laughs> I mean, we've had, we have uh, our products have been played by over 15 million people. Jeez. So, um, you know, we get every, every conceivable thing has, has been suggested to us. <laughs> yeah, it, really for us at the end of the day, there's, you know, we've got our list, which we don't really talk all that about that much of what we think would be a good fit for us. Um, you know, there's only maybe 20 things in the world that are even a, a great fit for us. Right. I, I can tell you the criteria we look for. We're looking for, you know, big fan bases that really love the world first and foremost. We're not, we're not building things that are about one particular character. We're, we're really doing things that are about 
the world and then the characters that populate that world and you coming in as a character yourself and then joining that world and the fan community. Um, so when you, when you kind of look at the commercial scale that's required, which is, you know, tens of millions of people have to have the name recognition plus sort of that epic world-building requirement that we have in approaching the game. You get down to a relatively short list, and, and that's what we, you know, we're, we're talking to every one of those owners in the world right now, I think, at this point of our business. Great. Well, I'm excited to see uh, the new game, and I'm excited what the uh, future holds for you guys over at Disruptor Beam. Uh, well, thank you very much, John. I appreciate your time this morning. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Of course, absolutely. Uh, congratulations and good luck with everything. Some other news that broke uh, was that the Nintendo Miiverse is set to shut down on November 9th. November 8th, I'm sorry, I misspoke. Oh my god, I made such a terrible mistake. Uh, the Miiverse, which uh, opened up a little over five, six years ago, uh, I think it started in 2012, it was announced, and then it officially opened in April of 2013. So it's been, you know, about four years of the Miiverse, so enough time for it to, you know, be a thing, I guess. I don't know how I feel about this, to be completely honest with you. Do you have any strong attachment to the Miiverse? It's a cool service. I always thought it was one of the cool, the best. Not, no, mm, it's good. It's a good social service, and it's very good for Nintendo. And it seemed to be functioning very well for the last few years. And it was a good way for the Nintendo community to really communicate with each other because they really don't have any other ways to communicate with each other. I don't they, get it. I don't get the move. Is what I think I'm ch- trying to ha- wrap my mind around it because it's not like me versus this big important thing, right? But it's a nice substance to have. You already have your system, and it's you know it's unique to your system. So I just I don't know. I don't get it. To me, it seems that they have those servers, and they're kind of killing one server to just start a new one. I would not be surprised at all if in the next couple of weeks they announce like whatever the replacement is for Miiverse. But at that point, then what's the what's the difference? You know, just update whatever you already have. Like, who cares? Yeah, I and I'm just wondering if that so. It seems like they're taking away the entire Miiverse, not just the creating of the Mies, but like the sharing of the videos, the sharing of the created content, being able to like. Re, um, record your gameplay videos and share that to the world. Right. They're getting rid of all that. So I wonder if there's another... Um, if they're bringing on another, basically, service to take place of this. That would be my guess. Maybe they've made a, a contract with some other one that already exists, something like a, a Twitch or, a, you know, services like that. Or they're trying to make their own to compete with it. Maybe they weren't happy with Miiverse. Don't you announce that before you go ahead and... That would be that would be the way I would do it. I want to just yeah. say, hey, we're killing this, and there's no replacement for it. <laughs> it doesn't. It's the whole thing. It doesn't make sense, though, and it really kills me because Splatoon, that Miiverse is one of the. I love it. Just going into loading up my Splatoon game and going in and seeing all the creations that people are making. Right. And, I, and you know, it's not gonna it's not gonna change my life that they're that they're taking this out, but it, it's still kind of disheartening, you know? Yeah, how about a game like Mario Maker, you know, where the entire game is about creating different things and sharing it with other people? That was widely driven by the Miiverse, was it not? I, yeah, I, I don't... I guess... Okay, so it's, I just, I'm just i looking at it. Um, play, uh, it's, 
in regards to Super Mario Maker, players won't be able to comment on shared levels anymore. So that takes out the whole aspect of sharing, right? If I can't comment on your created level, I can't point out any grievances I have with it. I can't point out anything that I particularly feel strong about in your level. So, and, you know, we live in 2017 where we want to we want to comment on everything. <laughs> and so, we go, there's 80 different forums to do it. That's one that, thing. Right. So, I mean, look... It, it disappears. Now you're going to have to go to one of the 900 other places where you can have a public forum to talk about games. It's not as readily yeah, available. Yeah. You might have to have your laptop up next to you, but you're probably already doing that anyway. Um, but it just, I don't know. It's either, these are the two options that I see in my mind, and this is me just, if I was Nintendo, what if I was a Nintendo? That's Mario. I like that. I'm doing a lot of voices today. I don't know what's wrong with me. Uh, if I was Nintendo, I would have A, did what you said, is announced whatever the replacement is before I announced that I was getting rid of this thing. Or, this is, again, like, I don't want to say a thinly veiled thing, but maybe they're just trying to distance themselves from having people... Because, let's, let's be honest, the Miiverse is not always just nice and pleasant. There's a lot of awful things that are tossed around the Miiverse, just like any other public forum. So maybe they're trying to shut that down. I don't know. Is this a bit of censorship? It's, it's not toxic. It's not as toxic as any of these other uh, social... Like, Xbox Live or... I wouldn't even say the PlayStation Network is toxic. Well, Xbox Live is Xbox perhaps... Live is Xbox Live is the most toxic environment on planet Earth. I think so. Yeah, of course. But I, for the most part, I think Nintendo's really good about regulating what is posted on there. Mm-hmm. For the most part, I, I've never seen anything that was too, like made me offended or made me like the racism or anything like that. I think Nintendo's community did a good job about regulating that type of behavior. Does that have something to do with Nintendo's regulation? Or do you think that has something to do with the playership of nintendo games i mean they do skew a little bit younger which can be a bad thing or a good thing depending on it out of i don't just off of looking at forums and looking at comments i feel like nintendo's community is the most loyal and the most respectful community of all of, of all communities because i think sony and microsoft fanboys are so used to being defensive and so used to having to attack each other. Nintendo is just like the third child that kind of just grew up without any competition. You know what right. I'm saying? Like Sega's gone, so you really don't have anyone to go after. It's like that Everyone's- much older sibling who like doesn't really care about the squabblings of the younger siblings. Yeah, that's, that's 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 a better comparison, not a younger sibling. Yeah, an older like older by like ten years. Yeah, they've already like, been I'm to so college. Mature. They've taken sociology yeah. classes. They got it all figured out. They come back and they look at like the Microsoft and Sony brothers fighting, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, still like get over it. You guys are the same person," type thing. So, um, I, I, for the most part, I don't see any. The only thing that annoys me with the Nintendo community is that they're too they're too loyal to their um, to Nintendo. They're unwilling to like bash Nintendo at all. So that kind of annoys me. Yeah. But other than that, like I, I have it's just no toxic. Not as not as bad. And not maybe- nearly as bad. So maybe that's why Nintendo can do something like this. If Xbox announced that they were killing Xbox Live, right, or at least aspects of it, this would be a huge, huge story. feels like when Nintendo announces that they're cutting off the Miiverse, it's it's a story, but it's not ground-shaking in the same way. Yeah, and I think the difference is Xbox Live is vital to everything you do on your Xbox, similar to PlayStation Network. You could play your Nintendo Wii, your Nintendo Wii U, or your Nintendo Switch your entire life without ever accessing the Miiverse. And it's so. not as big of a part of the community or the gameplay. I mean, now you buy a game on Xbox or on PlayStation, almost every game you buy is going to be like, well, it's it's got to be massive multiplayer. i got to play with a whole bunch of other people. At least the big market games. 
Whereas yeah. with Nintendo, yeah. their biggest game this year is just you play it by yourself. It's a one-player game. With Zelda. Yeah. Zelda. Yeah. Zelda. And, I, you know, and they don't have any... There's not many games that they release for the Nintendo Switch that really incorporate the Miis and the Miiverse. So they're really at an opportunity right now where they can kind of just, like, pull that away right. and not be hurt by it. So the only game that I've seen from Nintendo release on Nintendo Switch that really incorporates the Miiverse at all is Mario Kart 8. Which is not a blockbuster, let's be honest. But No, it's out. I mean, it's been out for, for years, so... Right. Well, like, I, you can't... There's no more tournaments, so... Is life worth that's living? Gonna, I don't know. That's the question that arises from all of us. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Should we all just give up and pack it in? I think about it once a day. I would too, if they if I was way into the Miiverse. I'm still gonna be able to keep my Mies, right? That's what I really care about. Spend a lot of time think, making sure my me look like me. I think you'll be able to um, keep your me, and I think you'll be able to upload like your creations somewhere. All your but, your mutant me's, your horrible not your mutant me's. I mean, like those little drawings and stuff that you did. Right. So a lot of people did like really nice artwork. So I think you'll be able to like put that. So I'm I'm not sure though. But I think I read somewhere that you'll be able to upload your artwork somewhere. I, I don't know what, where the Mies are going. And we don't know. It could be – this could be like something – they could announce their new system next next week. So right. we are in PAX West. We could, we could see something next week. These are all speculative things, right, because it hasn't come out yet. But these do kind of seem like the writing on the wall type of decisions where – be like, oh, it was so obvious looking back on it that this was like a move to announce like the next big thing that was coming out. Particularly, I mean, look at the environment that's going on right now. Uh, Xbox has announced that they're phasing out the Xbox One now in favor of the Xbox One X, which means nothing to me, by the way, because they all play the same games. It's not it's not a generational shift or it's not a new uh, phase the next... Generation. Generation, there we go. That's the word I was looking for. It's not the next generation yet. It's just an upgrade of whatever the other system is. So, like, well, this, this is what uh, consoles are now. They're cell phones. Pretty much, that's exactly what it feels like. Yep. Yeah, they're cell phones. We're just gonna get. We're not gonna get a new console anymore. We're just gonna get re- reiterations of consoles every year from now on, until the until it's a more powerful version. And then you're like, okay, maybe this is the next. Uh, maybe this is the next generation of consoles. But they're they're. I don't know, man. They're killing the console generation, in my opinion, with this. To me, Xbox One, PlayStation Four, Neo, whatever it's called, is like the two worst things that it could have happened. Yeah, I think it's a stupid decision because i think what you're going to get now is that people aren't going to be buying them it's not an event anymore and unless you're really hardcore on this stuff or exorbitantly wealthy you're going to be paying these things are not cheap you know they're 400 500 300 for these new systems and you can do that yeah. once a year for what marginal yeah. upgrades and graphics and cpu processing hdr this one's black and it has a blue line on it this That's one's gold well I mean, I would buy something gold. This one babysits your children. That would be. <laughs> this one murders your mother-in-law. I, I don't know, man. Like, that's quite a I system. I escalated that quickly. This you one watches your children. This one murders your mother-in-law. Yeah. You don't even have a mother-in-law. Where did that come from? I don't know. I'm thinking about mothers-in-law, mother-in-laws a lot lately. I don't know. Murder. I'm just, I'm just thinking about murder. Yeah. Murder, 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 murder. Well, you play video games and they're violent, so that makes sense. <laughs> that's what happens. Yeah. Thomas Bach. Thomas Bach was right. Whatever. I, take, I want to take back everything I said about Thomas Bach in our last segment. Yeah, he clearly knew what he was talking about. Thomas Bach, you're welcome anytime. Uh, it's not It's not a huge deal. It's not a huge deal to get rid of the Miiverse. It's just an interesting thing, fodder for conversation. And also, I mean, there's going to be some people who there already are. There's people go online, look at reactions, 
people are kind of bummed, but nobody's like, oh my god, what was me? This is the end of the world. Some people are, but you know, it's 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 sad because it was something very innovative that Nintendo did. It wasn't anything that I particularly like used a lot, but it was nice to see like other people's creations and stuff like that. But hopefully, we get we get an updated system that's better than the Miiverse. But we, we who knows? We'll see. That's that's what I imagine will happen. And again. Things aren't going away. There's so many online forums. I mean, if you really care that much about, like, the artwork and stuff on Nintendo, then go on to the subreddit for Nintendo. (laughs) There's still a community out there. Don't promote Reddit on this. Yeah, that's a good point. (laughs) Don't promote Reddit on this podcast. So, Pat, we're in excited time. It is PAX 2017. I'm in West. Uh, I have seen a lot of just some games. Not a lot. It's, It's just getting started. So I just want to talk about these games that I'm excited about that are going to be released in the next couple of years. And one of the games that I saw was Biomutant. Oh, my dear God, Biomutant. I I don't know if anyone, if you're listening, there is a 25 minutes gameplay video on IGN. It is a action RPG game. Looks similar. It looks along the veins of Ratchet and Clank. Now you that are, sounds interesting already, but as as an animal lover is this game possibly feature i don't know like a raccoon or a panda with a sword and he looks like he's from ancient china because that's kind of what i'm going for it is a raccoon panda raccoon panda squirrel like thing with a massive sword that looks exactly like cloud strife sword in a way Hmm. so and this is intriguing to me does he also shoot guns because i would like that to be in there as well he he shoots guns as well wow gosh he shoots guns and he hacks and slashes his way to whatever objective there is. So, I don't know. Does the gameplay about this game looked amazing? There are, like, little comic scrolls that pop up if you di- if you dodge something. It just looks really engaging. Go check out that gameplay video. I'm really excited for it. It's engaging. Gonna- it's beautiful. It's colorful. It looks like something incredibly inventive and, like, mushing a whole bunch of styles together. I am... I'm very excited about this game. This game looks amazing. This is, I don't know, I never want to get too ahead of myself, but just from the little bit that I've seen, this is one that I was like, oh, I'd pick that up on launch day. Oh, absolutely. And just looking at the, even the character creation, your stats are affected by how your physical attributes look on your character. So if you have bigger arms, then your strength is going to be higher, right? Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, and I'm looking at gameplay. It looks like it is a cross between... I hate this because a lot of people throw this up all the time, but it does look like a cross between a Dark Souls, more of a like Shadow of Mordor because it's more action oriented, not as strategic. It's like I the mean, uh, the movie equivalent is like, oh, it's an action romance that like crosses with Pulp Fiction and be like those things don't mix together, but whatever. Well, yeah, you know, and it, I don't uh, just go look at the gameplay video. It is something else. Yeah, it's one of those games that I looked at and I was just like, all right, we're starting to get in that swing of this generation of video games finally it's that thing where like it takes a couple years and then like things start hitting their stride and people kind of get used to this the hardware that they're working with it just it looks beautiful and looks like something new yeah and it, it just seamless you know yeah so i'm excited so yeah check that out ign it is biomutant well i can't imagine that there's any other games that would make me excited at all so unfortunately that's all we have oh wait there is another game <laughs> What is that game, Pat? So, how do you even describe this game? It doesn't have a name yet. Uh, but as you know, if you listen to the other podcasts, I am deep into the world of Stardew Valley right now. And the publishers of the game, Chucklefish, have announced another game that looks very similar to Stardew Valley. But here's the twist. 
it's sort of a mix with Harry Potter. So it's a Harry Potter old school RPG Stardew Valley mush up, and it looks it looks pretty great. I mean, honestly, those things alone make me want to play this game. Yeah. So like my really good friend, best friend, sent me a oh your best friend, huh? Tweet. Yeah, my best friend. Oh, best uh, friend. Colin. I'm going to call him out here. Colin sent me a... It's weird because my name's Patrick, not Colin, so... Shut up, Patrick. Quit trying to make this about yourself. <laughs> so we're talking about a really ga- a game that I'm really excited about. So he sends me a tweet like late last night. It's like, oh, check this out. Or CC Edmund Arnold or whatever. And I'm looking at this and there's no game. There's nothing released on it, right? I'm just looking at this picture. Of, it looks exactly like a Stardew Valley type town. And it says that it's a Harry Potter meets Stardew Valley, an RPG sim set in a magic school. And I saw that and I broke everything in my room. As is the, the correct reaction to that. When I get excited, I break everything in my room. So yeah. I, just, I just threw stuff around. Like, my room's a total mess now because I want this game now. You lit it on fire. Right. It looked like a, it was like the end of a Manchester United game. Absolutely. That's exactly what it was. There was yes. an overturned police car. So I'm excited for it. It doesn't look like Eric Barone is in it. Uh, the guy who created Stardew Valley himself. He looks like he's still working on multiplayer to Stardew Valley. Uh, if but, you're unfamiliar with his name, he's Concerned Ape. It's the little graphic that shows. Yeah. He basically made Stardew Valley on his own. Yeah. So it doesn't. there's no mention that he's involved in it. Um, but we got to remember Chucklefish did Stardew Valley and they also did Starbound. Two of my favorite PC games. Right. So this game, just keep put it on your radar. And let me, t- I'll tell you one thing. I was the first person to find out about Stardew Valley. I don't, I don't know anybody who found out before it. And I, that was <laughs> is on that radar three years. <laughs> it's official. It is official. Edmund Arnold discovered Stardew Valley before anyone else. You heard it here. And I found it three years ago. I was following it, following it, following it, and it turned out to be everything that I wanted. So by Chucklefish's standards, this game should be excellent. And like you said, because they did Starbound as well, look, Concerned Ape isn't there, as far as we know. If he is, it hasn't been announced yet. And yet, I still, there's enough brand loyalty and enough trust in Chucklefish to believe the hype for this type of game. You know, Concerned Ape made Stardew Valley a lot by himself, you know. The rumor is that he did pretty much the entire game by himself, but Chucklefish was involved, and they also, I mean, you also have Starbound. So this is not, they're not a one-hit wonder. No, they're not. They're not a one-hit wonder at all. They are an indie developer that needs to be talked about more. They're an indie developer that we should probably get on the park on the podcast. But we, you know, they have Risk of Rain was released in 2013. That was a really good Metrovania for PC that I really liked. If anybody had not played that, I would highly recommend you pick that up. Stardew Valley, and then you know they, they keep coming out with these games. So I can't say anything about these other games on their that they've released, but. I'm excited. That's all I got to say. Yeah, me too. Premise alone, the way it looks, it's very quaint. It feels very charming. I'm, I'm excited for it. Well, that surely must be all the games that we would be excited about, correct? I mean, PAX West is just starting. We are going to get a lot of game releases this this week. Uh, I think NAC 2 is going to be coming. Is NAC 2 being released this month? When's NAC 2 coming out? I haven't a clue. Oh, uh, you probably are into that whole NAC 2. I don't even know what NAC 2 is. It sounds like a disease. <laughs> so NAC was like the worst game released ever oh, on so... PlayStation. It was like a launch title. Why are we excited was... about this then? It's a joke. It's like a running... It's one of the funny things that are going in the gaming community right now. Um, so I I just... Google NAC, NAC. Google NAC 2. Read the stories about it. You'll laugh. It's funny. It's all fun and games. So, you know, and we had a lot, we had a good couple of weeks with all these games coming out, 
everybody's golf came out. If you like golf games, if you like the old like Tiger Woods before they implemented that stupid swing stick, go pick up everybody's golf. That is like. Whew. Let me tell you a little, whew, a little E three story from E three this year. I throw was, back, throw back, throw back. Here it is. <laughs> Travel with me to a time before. So I go into. I can probably say this now because it's been a couple months. I was not invited to the PlayStation booth. I just kind of worked my way in there. Uh, right. So I got in there, and it's sort of set up. And there's about a row of eight TVs with eight different games on it, and every single one of them is loaded with people and like a line, except for one. And that game was everybody's golf. And I like golf. I play golf. So I sat down and I started playing it. I played that game, I'm not exaggerating, for an hour and a half just by myself, just sitting there playing everybody's golf in the middle of a crowded show floor. I loved that game so much. It took me back to playing, not Golden Tee because it doesn't have the same mechanic with the rolling ball, obviously. But it did take me back to like late 90s sports games where it was simplistic and yet super fun. It was like playing an old Neo Geo game, and it was amazing. I love everybody's golf. Yeah, so I didn't know it was a like sequel to Hot Shots Golf. Yes, oh my god, yes, exactly. Yep. I never played Hot Shots Golf. My uh, roommate liked Hot Shots Golf, and he was just like, you need to pick up everybody's golf. So I, I picked it up. I like golf games. I'd, I've never been golfing before. I've, you know, I've hit on a driving range. I've hit balls. I don't really know the sport, but I love golfing games. I always put hours in the Tiger Woods whenever they came out. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not even kidding. I put hours and hours in the Tiger Woods. I love golf games, and this like is itching a scratch or scratching an itch that I have wanted for a long time. So it makes me feel good. It makes you feel really good, and you can like cut. And it's super Japanese, so it's an RPG. You're leveling up your clubs. The better your shots are. You get to create your custom. You get to create your character. So I'm, I have a character right now. I'm going to turn him into a baby because I like. I want to play as a baby. So <laughs> and it's it just it's ah oh, everything about it is just so it's just great. It's a great game. Go pick it up. Your last sentence alone should be enough for anyone to buy that. <laughs> that I want to turn my golfer into a baby. I'm going to stream it. I, I've had a hard time streaming because it's been so hot. But I'm going to try to stream it. Uh, probably not this afternoon because it's going to be over 100 degrees. I got to get out of this house. But I'm probably going to oh. try to stream it maybe tonight. Or tomorrow, but yeah, come watch it. Cause I'm gonna make a baby, and we're gonna go golfing. Come make a baby with us. Come make a baby with Edmund. Oh man. Anyway, it is it is a great time for games. We're kind of it doesn't feel like it, but we're out of the summer. <laughs> the heat is not out of the summer. I know, but it's like this is the game time. I mean, Absolver came out last week, which is another innovative multi fighting game. We've been talking a lot about fighting games. It's been the year of the fighting game. It's been the year of esport and the year of the fighting game fighting game absolutely so absolver is this how do i describe as absolver it's an online multiplayer game where basically you get a set a certain set of moves in order for you to unlock other moves you have to go out in the world and fight characters and you unlock these moves by either blocking or dodging their these moves that they put perform on you that's exactly so, I mean, like me when I go to a dance club. That's exactly right. you just that's, described. That's how it. you learn how to dance, right? Yeah, that's that's my life. To a dance battle, all the all the dance moves that they use that you don't know. As soon as you beat them, you just automatically know them. That's I gain their dance about. moves. Yes, exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sorry to interrupt. Please go on. Yeah, but it's just you create your own character. You're going around and you're fighting. The game the game is very strategic, methodical. So you have to like think about how you're striking. Think about when you're dodging. You can you can p- perform some crazy Jackie Chan type moves. It's a fun game. It's a fun game. It's bare bones. I'm not going to lie to you. 
I would wait a little bit to buy it because there's like nothing in it. Right. But it is. It's. I mean, just we're talking a lot about how innovative and how creative games are getting, and that's just another. That's just another example. And it's French, which I found very. Not going to say bizarre, but I was surprised that it was French. It felt like a Japanese game. It's exciting, man. We have an exciting time for games, and it is officially game season. Madden came out last week, Woo! weeks ago. Destiny's coming out this Tuesday, so we are in the thick of it. It's it's all happening, my friends. I'm excited for some Destiny, man, after playing our beta together. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. You need to get a PlayStation 4. Oh, because you don't have it on the Xbox, I guess. No, I'm not going to buy it on the Xbox. Well, excuse me. not going to buy it on the Xbox. All right, well, I will drop $400 to buy a PlayStation if... You call me your best friend. Everybody's golf is worth paying <laughs> the $400. Right and I would love to play with my best friend, Patrick Shanley. Oh, my God. PlayStation 4. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I can't tell if I'm crying or if it's the sweat because I'm burning alive in my room. I'm pretty sure we used to do this all the time in high school, too. Like, is he your best friend? I'm your best friend. You did sound exactly like that. I did. School. I still sound like that. Only... That was black when you were a you were a blonde valley girl. Oh my god! Uh, just tell me who your best friend is, okay? Like I need all the best friends in the world, and I just need maybe more than four. I so are want, you mine or not? I want everyone to be my best friend on MySpace. Am I in your top eight? All right. Well, another week, another podcast, another guest, another week to look forward to, and crazy gaming news and other fun guests. Um, if you haven't yet, please subscribe, please follow us on Twitter, uh, we're on YouTube, we're on Twitch, all of the links, if you're on SoundCloud, just move your cursor over to the right, follow my voice, I'm moving over here to the right, and then, look, it's all our Twitter and all our links. Yay! We found it together, good for us. It's so easy. It couldn't be easier. Follow us, follow us, follow us, leave a comment on iTunes, changing our name, don't be alarmed, I think the name change is going to happen this week. We're going to make it more video game oriented, and we, we barely talk about Dragon Ball Z on this podcast, so I think we're going to change it. It's such a stupid name for a podcast. It's a, about, it's a, it's a great name. It's a phenomenal name. It's not relevant to what we're doing. True. I have to explain so, it to every single person I talk to. And, and, and we're going to talk after this podcast, because I kind of like another name that you gave me. Ooh. The Donkey Kong Con artist. Yeah, I love that. I don't know. That's, that's I don't what I'm know. I think it would be good, because we are kind of cons, right? Yeah. Because we're not video game reporters. No, that's what I like you, about it. You barely play video games. I play so video games. They're just from you play 20 years video ago. Games. You don't play relevant video games. Stay <laughs> tuned for massive announcements. Yeah, and if you have a suggestion for a name, don't give it to us because we're not going to listen to it. <laughs> we don't care about your input. <laughs> see what I did there? You see what I did there? I did. People thought we were going to be nice and we weren't. We're not. So follow us on Twitter. The Twitter <laughs> name may change. Follow us on SoundCloud. We're still naming for a saying from right now. Follow us. Leave a comment. Leave us a review on iTunes. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Just keep tuning in. Keep supporting. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, everybody. Uh, it's been it's been really fun. It's been a great thing. Uh, I love talking to people about this stuff, so it's been re- it's really fun. If you have uh, any guests that you would like us to reach out to, please do. Always open to different types of guests on the podcast. If you know of a game company, anyone involved in games that you would like us to speak to, or if just an interesting person, like let's say the guy down the street from you who sells oranges is just really, really into it. I like oranges. Let's talk to him. I like oranges too. You, uh, you, that's how I can tell you live in Southern California because you just brought up video games. If you know so somebody who sells a very nice Pinot Noir, that's perfect. Contact somebody in the Bay I got you, dog. I got yes. you. I know where all the Pinots are. All about that Pinot life. Yeah, dog. Yeah. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening, everybody. We love you. Yay! Thank you, everybody. I heard No Man's Sky is good now. <laughs>